So good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. That's better. This is the first time I get to talk to you today. So I know it's not the first time I'm speaking to some of you, but hey, it's good to have you here. It's good just to be in his presence. It's good to enjoy what he's doing in our hearts because it's not just for us. It's for the world out there waiting to meet him. Amen? Good. So just during the worship, the Lord's been doing some heart surgery, it would appear. (laughs) I don't know how you feel, but he's just been touching some precious places in my heart and I know in many of yours. And you know what? He means business with us. You know, sometimes we're experiencing certain things and it feels like, you know, it feels like a gravel road on a, well, I don't know. I've, I've never personally driven an off-road, but I've been a passenger on a, a gravel road, and it's really like, yeah, and some of us might feel like that sometimes, but you know what, it's necessary, it's necessary to allow the Lord to remove the things that are holding us back, because he's made us for wholeness, he's made us for abundance, he's got a purpose that is just so much more amazing than anything that we could imagine right now. And part of what I, well not part of, but what I want to talk to you about this morning is our perception, all right? So the title would be Mature Perception, um, for those that are working with the video stuff afterwards or taking notes, but I want to just start by talking to you about perception, because a lot of how we see things influences what's going on here, how we think about things, how we process things. So maybe instead of perception, we could write discernment, we could write um, uh, perspective. There are perhaps a couple of different words we could like rephrase the word perception with. But I want to talk to you in terms of perception as being the ability to see or hear or become aware of something. So on a natural level, there are certain things that we perceive through our senses, but it's also the way in which something is regarded or understood or interpreted. So that involves our mind, but ultimately the Lord wants us to perceive from our spirit. So mature perception is when our spirit is involved in this process of seeing, of understanding, and how we respond to that. And just to illustrate the importance of perception, I have a story from you out of number seven, Forsyth Street. So maybe you think it's where encounter night happens and it's all wow and amazing and spiritual, but it's very real. It's very real. I have permission to share the story. So, And it, and it has to do with, um, well, I don't know, maybe you guys thought that Star Wars, the rise of Skywalker was the end. Ne? Any Star Wars fans in the room? No? It's okay. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to talk to you about Star Wars. Okay. And um, the biggest piece of Vorce, this is very, very important. So the one night Tina had come back from one of her locums overseas, um, and she was this for Pap and Vorce. So we had Pap and Vorce. If you don't know what that is, Google, man. It's an awesome South African thing. It's proper, proper sausage, not like other things we see overseas. Okay, it's proper sausage. And with some nice gravy. So Tina dishes up for me. I was off doing something. Um, or I think you dished up some, some pup for us, and then you dished up, or you cut vores into pieces, right? And so you said, oh, Candy, I've cut you a piece. Now, there were, there were two pieces of vores left. So I walk up to the pan, and I'm thinking, not out loud, I'm just thinking, flip, Tina's cut me this massive piece of vores. I'm like, okay, you know. So I put it on my plate, and we go and we sit, and we thank the Lord, and then we start eating. And I get through probably about two-thirds of this piece of water, and I tell Tings, listen, 
I'm sorry, like I just can't eat anymore. <laughs> and then she says, but then why didn't you put the other piece of water on your plate? It's probably about exactly the same size as what you've just eaten, you know. That was actually the piece that I cut for you. And it was such a funny experience for us at the time that it's, it's still going on the joke, you know. Tina will say, Candy, do you want the biggest piece of water? So she had actually cut me like a size of or a piece of water that she knew more or less I would eat. But from the time that I dished it up to the time that I finished it, I was convinced she had given me the other piece of water. That was my perception. Wow, but Tina's, not once did I ask her, like, you know, do I look like Charles, you know? I don't need big pieces of meat, you know? Um, I'm like, oh, smaller pieces of meat. But not once did I actually ask her. I just sat with this perception. I mean, it wasn't a, a negative situation. It was a funny situation. But it just goes to show you that perception is a very powerful thing. Your perception of something can feel so real that that's what you respond to and react to. It can govern your thinking, your responses, your emotions. It can get very, very real. So your perception is very, very important. And I'm talking to you about mature perception, meaning we need to grow in our spiritual like senses and responses to what we see happening around us. Okay, so that you get the right size piece of voice on your plate. And you don't have to go through why, why, why? <laughs> okay, so, so. All right, let me start by talking to you about perception in the natural. I'm going to give you a bunch of scriptures today. So if you're a note taker, just jot them down or maybe just listen and um, just go and listen to the thing online later on YouTube or Facebook if you'd, if you'd want, want to just rather grasp the overall concept of where I'm going. So I want to use some scriptures out, um, or, or just take some verses, sorry, out of scripture just to highlight natural perception, how Jesus perceived, and then what's helping us upgrade to the kind of perception we see that Jesus had and how he responded to and with it, and ultimately what that what that can mean for us. How how can we upgrade into a mature perception as Jesus walked in it? All right, so firstly in the natural, okay? Proverbs 12 verse 15 reads, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Okay, so there's a way that you can think where you think you're right, but it's saying it's important to be open for input. It's important to be able to hear somebody else's point of view to take a step back, right? So if we think about the people that thought the earth was flat, um, at a stage that was was the the genuinely acceptable belief, the earth is flat. There are still people that believe the earth is flat, and that's another conversation for another day. But again, it was this perception, the world has to be flat until evidence came to the contrary. And then people had to actually deal with like, oh, the earth is not flat, you know. And there'll be topics that'll, that'll pop up for you in your head where you had a certain belief and something suddenly comes at you and you're like, what? You know, now obviously we need to be discerning about what all we listen to, all that, you know, take into context. But something can feel so right to us that we actually become stupid about it. We, we, we are so blind about this thing that we're actually not open to advice. Okay, so just it's, it's, it's sometimes a danger to be too naturally minded, okay? Proverbs 14 verse 12 reads, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. So sometimes you feel like you're making the right choice, but ultimately it's working out to your detriment. It might not be a deliberate thing. It might not be 
um, something that's evil intent in your heart, but this is just, you, you've, made a, you've made a decision in the natural because it seems the most practical right now, but it ends up working out to your detriment, all right? So that could be, I mean, like pothole, you know, um, valley, Maybe somebody's there with a cone, and you think, oh, the guy's got a flat tire, but you're not really paying attention. You're like, you know, you're listening to ABBA or the Bee Gees or something going down memory lane, and then you go past the car, and all of a sudden, you know, then you're the second car at the side of the road having to change a tire because you haven't really paid attention, okay? Um, a last scripture I'm going to refer to here is Isaiah 6, verse 9 to 10. And this is a well-known passage of scripture where um, an angel comes with a hot coal and touches Isaiah's lips and then sends him to the people in the land of Judah. And he's got to take this message to them. Though, though hearing you don't understand and though seeing you don't perceive. All right, so this is just to illustrate sometimes if we're just working from here, it can end up not being the abundant life that God has designed for us. So there's a need for us to learn how to perceive from our spirit. It's not all wrong, but like in terms of our important, uh, important decision-making processes, etc., etc., there's a, there's a place we need to learn to live from the spirit. Okay, um, so let's just have a look at a couple of examples now. I'm going to skip to the New Testament if you're following along in your Bibles. Um, go along to Matthew 16, so long. So this is where we see that people... Even people that walked with Jesus, people um, whose stories we know of in the Bible, were actually operating from a natural perception, a natural understanding. And, and how, um, you know, sometimes Jesus was on the scene to try and correct that or upgrade that, but other times um, people were just sort of, you know, they were, they were perceiving, but they were sort of left to themselves in that sense. All right, so let's go to Matthew chapter 16, verse 12. Um, I'm not going to read every single scripture, but I want to just highlight a little bit about that. So that's where Jesus is talking to his disciples about the, the yeast, the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And he's actually giving them like, like a concept story, but they're not, they're not getting it. So Jesus has to say, do you not understand? I'm not talking about bread. So Jesus is actually talking to them, but they're not renewed enough yet. They, they, they haven't yet grasped what he's talking about, the, 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 well, obviously, like, you know, Jesus hadn't died yet, so there's, there's a context for this, right? But basically, they were trying to understand with this and not with this. So Jesus has to explain it to them. And then in Matthew 6, verse 12, it says, oh, then the, then the disciples perceived. So sometimes we're in a position where we're only, we're only seeing it here, and we actually need God to come and talk to us from here. Okay. So that we have, that we actually gain some understanding or some insight. Okay, you good? Everyone fine? Okay. Then Matthew um, 21, a little bit further on, Matthew chapter 21. And then in verse 45, um, Jesus is talking about the Pharisees. And um, there's a warning to them. And it says that the Pharisees perceived that Jesus was speaking about them but they didn't take the warning. These are the guys that are wise now in their own eyes. And you know what? Sometimes a warning is not a nice thing. You know, when the Holy Spirit's speaking to us or the Lord's using someone to speak into our life and there's a warning coming, it doesn't feel like a nice thing. It doesn't feel like, a, you know, it's like... And sometimes there's a, there's a reaction to it. So the Pharisees got upset. They, they, they took offense. They wanted to silence the voice 
that was challenging their belief system and their way of thinking because they were so set in it. They were so wise in their own eyes that they'd become foolish. Okay. Um, Luke, all right, page on to Luke chapter 18, verse 24. Here Jesus is speaking to his disciples about his death and resurrection, but the Bible says they did not perceive it because it had been hidden from them. Okay, so this is just also like a little bit of another take where I believe Jesus was, in a sense, actually planting seed because later on they remembered the conversation and realized, oh, this is what Jesus had meant back then. So it didn't make sense at the time, but as, as events happened and time progressed, they started to like, ka-ching, 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 ka-ching. You know, it was all starting to make sense. So there, is, there, there are some things that are perhaps hidden from us, but there's design in that. There's a seed in that. Okay, so sometimes it's us just being wise, and sometimes it's protection. Okay, Luke, oh, okay, gosh, turn back to chapter 7, <laughs> verse 39, I've just mixed these two around. Um, again, there's a Pharisee, Simon the Pharisee is watching Mary come and anoint the feet of Jesus. And he's sitting there thinking, this guy's a prophet, and he hasn't perceived what kind of person she is. So he has a Pharisee making a judgment of Jesus, and um, he's doing it completely from a, a natural understanding of the woman Mary and her, her reputation and what she was known for. And he's thinking, well, you know, but Jesus is looking to the heart. And these are things we know. It's not new things, but I want to shake us up a little bit in terms of like how easily it is to actually operate from the natural and how we actually need to make a major, major shift, and we need to mature our perception to operate from the Spirit. Okay. All right, an interesting one, Mark chapter 15, and around about verse 10, this is where Pilate is basically washing his hands of any guilt of the fact that Jesus is going to be crucified. And the Bible says um, in that context, and um, in verse 10, it says that Pilate perceived that the chief priests, the Jewish priests, now gave Jesus up due to envy. So Pilate was actually, he had his radar up, and he realized this is not fresh. This is not right what they're doing to this man. So something in his spirit was like, was like there was a contention. He didn't agree with what they were doing, but he didn't stand in the authority to actually stop it. All right, because there, 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 was no, there was no renewal, there was no understanding of um, the fact that he's meant to perceive or live from a different place, okay, for, for whatever those reasons were. So some people are totally clueless. There are some that are picking up what's going wrong, but they don't know how to respond. They don't have a response or a reaction to it. So he did, he, he, you know, he responded in the best way I suppose he could for where he was at. And he said, you know what, I'm not going to have anything to do with this. But he didn't shut it down. Okay, so there's a place where we can perceive something's wrong, but we've got to get past just understanding what's wrong to knowing what we need to do. Okay, um, an interesting one. This is the last one I'll touch on here. Acts chapter 4 and verse 13 um, speaks about the men of the Jewish high court who were watching the boldness of Peter and John as they were preaching and healing people. And they realized, they, they perceived that these men had been with Jesus. Why? They were seeing the same spirit that Jesus carried alive in these men. So again, there was something of an understanding of the, the let's just say Pilate picked up the, on, on the demonic and these men picked up on something something holy, something that these guys carried, but they didn't know what to do with it. So they 
to shut it down. People so wise in their own eyes that they couldn't even see that the Messiah was in front of them. Okay, so just having a little bit of a look at perception and how it's role-playing in different situations. Okay, now let's move on to how Jesus perceived. Okay, so I'm going to take a couple of scriptures, about five or six scriptures here, and we're just going to talk about how Jesus perceived. Um, he would challenge hearts that need, needed to repent or grow. Okay, so in Matthew 22... We're going to do Matthew, Mark, Luke, John somewhere, so you can just span in the New Testament there. Um, Matthew 28, 18, um, the Pharisees are trying to catch Jesus out, and they say to him, oh, but you're a man of integrity. You would never tell us the wrong thing. Are we supposed to pay tax? And then Jesus, you know, he confronts them, and he's like, you hypocrites, I know what's going on here. So he perceived that they were trying to catch him out. But I want to give a bit of a bigger context where they're like trying to catch him out in terms of maybe he'll tell them, oh, no, you don't have to pay tax because, you know, we're from a different kingdom. But Jesus is actually acknowledging there are certain things that are in operation in our natural world, and they are, they are maybe rightly so. But a little while later, maybe two chapters later, that's where they've got to pay the temple tax. And that's when he sends one of his disciples to go and get a coin out the fish's mouth. So Jesus was aware that in his circumstances, there were people trying to, trying to trip him up. There was deception going on. Um, but in the, in, in the natural world, he knew exactly what he needed to do. He wasn't confused. There are certain natural elements and laws that you abide by. But you know what? There's a supernatural provision even in the context of this natural world. We might live in it, but we are not of it. So I believe Jesus was actually just like creating a context where, where the disciples could learn, hey, you know what, there are certain things in the natural world you need to be aware of and savvy about, but you know what, you're not bound to this natural world. Look for my supernatural direction, provision, protection. Okay, good? Okay, Mark 2, verse 8, is where Jesus forgives and heals the paralyzed man. We know the story very well. And the Pharisees are again coming at him, <laughs> the religious leaders that were around. And Jesus, before they even say anything, he picks up that there's this, you know, he's just forgiven a man his sins and healed him. And they're like, whoa, like, okay, which school did you go to to give you permission to do that? And Jesus picks up what's going on in the atmosphere. Nothing has been actually spoken, but he knows what's going on and it's trying to shut down the supernatural element breaking out. So he talks about the natural world in the previous scripture I gave you. Now we're talking about where we don't get bound by this natural will, but we're part of a supernatural um, just life. There's, a, there's access that we have to things that are beyond the natural world that we need to be walking in. And he says to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? And he just shuts down their attempt to shut him down. Right? Why are you questioning these things? And Jesus is actually demonstrating... Um, Oh, so it says that he, he perceived in his spirit, but he's actually demonstrating the fact that, yes, we live in a natural world, but we are actually supposed to live from the spirit world and from the supernatural. Okay. John 14, verse 9, is where Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples, and he's saying, but if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Philip says to, well, well Philip is saying, um, show us the Father, Jesus. Show us the Father. If I backtrack a bit, Philip's saying, show us the Father, Jesus. And Jesus is like, what? You've been with me all this time. And I've been explaining to you that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. 
So here I believe Jesus is actually, he's, he's teaching them, you know what, so many things that are right in front of your eyes, the answer is right in front of your eyes, but you're not able to actually perceive and see and realize it. And maybe some of us are asking for, Lord, I need intervention. Lord, I need, I need an answer. Father, what's happening here? And sometimes the answer is already, he's already given it to us. He's already told us, walk in this way, or this is what I have for you. But something hasn't connected. And Jesus is just saying, hey, I'm more real and I'm closer than you think I am. So he's saying, you know what, for the questions you have, for the challenges that you have, the answer is right in front of you. It's not far off. It's right here. Okay, so that's where Jesus is challenging people, repent, grow. There were times where Jesus was, was perceiving for protection or intervention. Okay, John chapter 6.15, Jesus has just fed the 5,000. And the Bible says that um, Jesus perceived they were about to come and take him by force and make him king. So he's just done this amazing miracle, and they kept hearing about a king and a king and a king. And now Jesus realizes, uh oh, this is where they want to come and, you know, create an Ishmael. They want to give me a YouTube channel. This is not quite the, the game plan. So what he does is he withdraws immediately and he goes alone to pray. He sends his disciples away. So that was, that was protection for him. You know what, the good things that God has for us, the enemy would love to come with account of it and have us happy for second best. And it's going to feel as good as the real thing, but it's not going to be the real thing. It's not going to deliver. And Jesus was able to understand, even in the moment, wow, something's coming against me trying to hijack what I know the purpose in the heart of God to be for my life. And he withdraws. He knows it's not time to stand on a soapbox in London. It's time to withdraw and be quiet and just pray. And he sends his disciples away. And shortly after that, it's, it's literally the next chapter, the next story that we're reading about. Um, Jesus goes to the mountainside to pray and he sends his disciples ahead. Now they've rowed probably five, six k's into the, the, the lake or the sea. And so they are far out of sight. The weather is bad. Jesus is praying on the mountain. But somehow he sees. So there's actually even something that goes beyond the natural eye. And in his spirit, he starts to actually see, but they're struggling on the lake. So there's an actual ability for us to see into situations that are happening that we cannot see with our physical eyes. You know, Jesus could understand what the Pharisees were thinking in their heart. It's not all about the negative either. You know, it's about hearing his heart and hearing his plan. And part of that will be caution. Part of that will be protection. Part of that will be a challenge. But this is why we've got to live from this, this place of mature perception. We've got to be hearing from our spirit, seeing from our spirit. It's so, so important. Okay, so then Jesus obviously walks to them on the lake, you know, and he's demonstrating kingdom again. He's constantly making them aware of another kingdom, another realm, another way, a higher way. That's, that's what he lived to demonstrate, was we're in the world, but because we're not of it, we have to know that we are of a greater dimension, and that's going to be just the next part of what I want to download to you very quickly. Am I speaking slow enough for you to hear? Okay, just flag me down. Just show this to me if you are losing me. Okay, 
So we've talked about natural perception. We've looked at how people that live from a natural perception experience and do life. And now we've looked at Jesus. Just at a few examples. I mean, there, there's so much more. I'm just touching on a little bit just to stir in us today an understanding of, hey, this is where we've been called to live. This is what we have access to. All right, to keep our heart healthy, to keep it growing, to keep it pure, that we are protected, that there's intervention for us, that we know, wow, you know what? Um, sometimes my own thoughts are going to be my own worst enemy, but there's protection for me against that. Okay, and that's what I want to get into now. All right, um, how to train your spiritual perception, how to grow and make mature your spiritual perception. A couple of points here. Okay, we're still in the New Testament for those that are reading with us. Um, I just want to say, firstly, it's important to understand from God's perspective. When we're looking at how to see a thing, how to understand a thing, how to respond to a thing, we're asking the Lord, what are you trying to teach me? Are you challenging me in something? Are you trying to grow me in something? Help me understand here. Because a lot of times something will just happen and then we're just like, oh Lord, please just remove this affliction from me or what, you know, and I'm not saying the Lord brings affliction, but sometimes we come into a, like a difficult circumstance and then we're like, oh Lord, deliver me, deliver me, deliver me. And we haven't actually understood, you know what, Lord, what is it you're trying to do? And sometimes we're trying to bypass something. And, and again, I'm not saying that the Lord, he, bring, he does not bring sickness or destruction or any of those things. But sometimes life is just happening and we, and we go into something that's just difficult. And God's like, hey, I want to use this opportunity for you to understand something. All right. And let's look at a couple of scriptures giving this some context. Romans 12 verse 2, we know it very well. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Okay, and I want to just quickly pause on two words, the transformed and the testing. Okay, so spiritual perception or living from a place of mature perception has to do with the renewal of our mind. That's what Jesus was busy with with the disciples the whole time. How many times did he not challenge them? You've seen this and you still don't believe? You've been with me all this time. Are you, are you not realizing yet? Hey, every experience you have with me is meant to expand you and expand you and expand you. Okay? So this whole transformation thing that must happen, if we just pause on transformation, we've, we've, we've spoken about this before, but it's the same word that is used when Jesus was transfigured on the mountain. And it says that his clothes became like lightning. Okay, so this is a different way to see. You can see a glow-in-the-dark object or you can actually see Jesus with a robe of lightning. Okay, there's something about how we, how we are supposed to think and see that's meant to be different. It's not meant to be limited to the natural. Okay, so we can get transformed by renewing our mind. And part of that is by testing. Not like, yes, Lord, that's your will. No, Lord. It's not like I'm not judging God, but it's to actually approve. All right? Bill Johnson gives this really cool example of, let's just say that you inherit this amazing painting. Let's call it a Monet. Okay? But now, it, this is not a registered work of Monet. You have no idea, like, what this, it's, it's not a famous painting of his. So you take it to an expert, and what he does is he looks at the brush strokes and the type of paint used. So even though it's not registered anywhere as one of the, famous painter's works, by examining it, you have a look and you see, yes, it might not have a name yet, but it's the same, it's the same artist, all right? So we have to be able to look at where we're standing and what we're going through and actually 
process with God until, until we see him, until we see his hand, until we see his fingerprints, until we take a hold of his heart in the thing that is really a struggle for us. Okay, This is a really important part of, of um, growing with the Lord. And let me just explain a little bit further. Colossians 3 verse 2 says, set your minds on things that are, um, are of above and not on things that are on the earth. Okay, So you've got to get to the point where your heavenly thinking overshadows what your earthly experience is. Okay, So now maybe it's a situation you don't understand. So you're going to say, okay, Lord, but speak to my heart. I need, to, I need to find you in this. I need to understand something of your heart or what you're trying to do in me because I know that you're good. Okay? You're going to have an opportunity to look for, hey, I'm not bound by the limits of this world. It might look like it currently. I might be in process. It might not be, it might not be all solved and fixed. I might not feel emotionally different about my, my, my issue, but I've got to trust you. I've got to stand on what you say. I've got to look in the situation until it reflects and resembles you. Otherwise, I'm just going to be stuck on the the natural element of what I see. Philippians 4 verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, if there's any excellence or anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And we're not being instructed here to live live in a cocoon. Glass full, you know, (laughs) the eternal optimist. It's not about like I can never have a down day or a or a struggle, or something like that. But what it's, I believe what it's saying to us here is about this is what our thoughts have to gravitate to. So you get some bad news, and maybe it just it hits you, and you're like, <gasps> you know, and, and you're processing through something. Why? Because you're human. But what do we need to gravitate towards through, uh, towards, sorry, is what is beautiful, what is pure, what's commendable, the excellence in it, the goodness in it, the Father's heart that I know to be true. That's, that's what I've got to train myself to gravitate towards. All right, this is part of the renewing of my mind. This is part of finding the artist's brushstroke in my situation. Okay, James 1 verse 2 and 3. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of many kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. This is, a, this is, a, this is one of those scriptures that we prefer to just like, yeah, yeah okay, <laughs> I'll read it again maybe in a week's time, Lord. I'm not there yet. You know, it's just like, ah, oh, it hurts. But What's, the, what's the, the, the end goal here? What's the end game? Is actually to cement the goodness of God in you and my heart. Flip it doesn't look like it's there. It hurts like hell. It's really confusing. It's really, oh. But you know what? This trial is actually designed to cement the fact that God is good. To cement the fact that he's got supernatural provision, even if I don't see it. Even if I don't have the answers. Let me just... Like, skit your kasi, shake your cupboard. <laughs> All right, have you want to translate that um, a little bit? Um, Philippians 4, 9, we love to quote this one, for example. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. And that is very true. And he's a good and a loving father and he wants to provide and he loves to provide. But the origin of that scripture of him as provider comes from where he provided the lamb after he had asked Abraham to go and sacrifice Isaac. You know, when God's asking for your all and you're like, don't know if I can do that. (laughs) He's the ultimate provider. You know, he's asking you to lay down the very thing that he's given you as a promise. And it's like, not so much joy here, Lord. (laughs) But it takes a maturity of understanding from heaven's perspective and the heart and the thought of the Father 
to actually go, whoa, you know what? I really don't understand. But here it is, and I'm trusting you to provide. And wow, the Lord provides the lamb for the sacrifice. But Abraham had to have that, that heart sort of pruning of, can you trust me? So the trials, the hardship, the things we don't really always understand, they are not designed to bring us into question. They are designed to cement the goodness of God. All right, that we're looking for him in the crazy, in the struggle. Um, and we don't always find it immediately. It's a process. It's a process. We, we read that scripture, those who diligently seek the Lord will be, you know, will, will find a reward. There'll be a reward for those. And diligence, whoa, diligence is not the funnest topic, you know. It's not that it has to be, I don't believe it should be this on a constant basis. But diligence means you do it when you feel like it and you do it when you don't. And you do it when it makes sense and you do it when you do it when it makes sense and you do it when it doesn't make sense. My English. Right? So sometimes there's a bit of discipline involved. Sometimes there's a dry season. It's not so lack of greased, you know. I'm coming and I'm praying and I'm reading and I'm connecting. I'm not hearing. I'm not, not seeing. Hey, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I'm coming back. So it's really just important to, to understand that, that how, I, how I see something is just a really, really important part of my life, my journey, what God is doing in me. Uh, I, I really realized it was a couple of years ago that every time I, have, I experience pain in my life, every time I feel like, oh, this is too much for me, or I get emotionally overwhelmed about something, it's because I'm looking at it from my human perspective. I haven't yet broken into what do you see? Show it to me from your perspective. Let me see. Because that's going to gauge how I'm going to respond. Okay. We, we, we kind of time up, but I want to just touch on two quick examples, crash course, of just how this is just so important. Um, not just for you and me. We say it so often. You know what? The things we're going through are not just for you and I, me. <laughs> It's because other people out there are actually going to benefit from our victory. So maybe you don't want to hear it again this morning, but you are, sorry. <laughs> the fact that you can break through in something that's a struggle for you, the fact that you can actually have cemented in you something about the goodness of God is going to be the testimony that somebody else listens to and it's going to bring them through. So just quick, quick, quick. I want to talk to you about Gideon. I'm going to highlight just one or two things. Gideon, it's, his story is in Judges 6 to 8. But now we know that he's hiding because the enemy is all around. He feels like the major reject of the, the group. You know, he doesn't want to get taken out, so he's hiding. You know, they're in the wine press. He's busy crushing the wheat. He's busy making himself a sami, you know. He's just, every day he's getting through. And then the angel of the Lord who's Yahweh himself, it's God himself, appears to Gideon and says, Gideon, God with you. I'm with you. It's very personal. He's first person. I'm with you. It's like me walking up to Lebo and just saying, hey, Candace next to you, Lebo. You know? Hey, Chantal, I'm walking over to you. Candace, right here with you. Hand on your shoulder. I'm right here. Like Wayne's sitting right next to her and Wayne's saying, hey, Chantal, Wayne with you. You know? It's, it's that kind of reality. I'm with you. That's the first thing he says to him. Hey, I'm with you. And then Gideon starts going, yeah, but Lord, if you were with us, and God's like, no, 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 not us, us, us. Hey, I'm talking to you, Gideon, you. And then he starts to deal with his heart. And then he challenges him, Gideon, go and deal with the, with the idols that your father set up. Then they clean out the house. 
And then they go after the Midianites, the enemy. And sometimes we're so preoccupied with the enemy and what's happening over there that we forget God's actually saying, hey, I'm starting here. And, you know, we keep speaking about the Lord starts in the church. He's starting, revival starts within an individual. And then as a church corporately, we're pursuing it. And then we're taking it out. Okay? And it's, I believe the same when the Lord is doing a work. He starts with you and with me. And then he's working with us as a church and a body. Okay, it was Gideon's literal household, but I believe that there's something in here um, that's a message for us as a church. The Lord is sorting us out. I mean, if Charles said, hey, the Lord's going to be lifting up the mat, you're going to see how, you know, but don't be put off by it. This is part of his process just to sweep clean and just to purify. Okay, because purity is really important. Okay, Gideon had to, had to basically tear down the idols and the things that were in the way. And when he did that, he got the next step. So he first had to trust the Lord and be obedient. God says, go in the strength of yours. And he, he had to eventually like, okay, man up. <laughs> if God's saying this, I'm going to go with it. He does ask God for a sign. But he eventually pursues, he obeys, and then God says, right, let's just deal with a purity issue here. So the whole thing that, you know, the Lord is sweeping clean, he's dealing with things in our lives, has to do with there's a purity that needs to come. It's part of the process. It's okay. It might not be lacquer, but it's okay. And of course, obedience is, obedience is a huge key. And then they get to the victory over the Midianites at the end. Personal victory, corporate victory, victory over the enemy. So there's always more that God is doing in his process with you. Embrace it. Okay, and then I want to take you one notch. It's a story for another day, but one notch higher. Acts 14 verse 9. Paul's just arrived in the city of Lystra. He's been running for his life because they want to stone him because he's preaching Jesus. So him and Barnabas arrive in Lystra when they're busy with this huge pagan feast. They're going to worship Jupiter and there's all these carts with fruit and they're about to shut the city down for this huge celebration. Okay, this is Acts 14, specifically verse 9. And Paul thinks, awesome time to preach, ne? What a perception, okay. Got the whole city here, awesome time to preach. And as he's preaching, ding, there's a man that he sees who's been, he's, he's crippled, but we learn later he's been crippled from birth. He's never heard the gospel. He doesn't have any, you know, he hasn't had encounters with Jesus directly. And yet Paul says, it says here that Paul perceived he had faith to be healed. And you know what? The Lord wants to take us into the cities and the places that are demonically captured and to shine a light and find the one in the crowd that's ready to have Jesus touch him. So here's this crippled guy and Paul just, he was preaching and suddenly, ding, somebody gets kind of highlighted for him and he perceives, wow, what's inside of this man? Faith to be healed. And I want to encourage you this morning, wow, the process that we are in, it's so important how we're going to approach it. It's so important how we're going to respond to it. So take time, take a moment where you might just normally be reactive with something. Take a moment and just ask the Lord, hey, what are you doing? What are you growing me in? How can I mature in my perception and in what I'm seeing? How do you want to heal how I'm seeing? What do you want to give me that I don't have yet, Lord? All right? I don't just be want, to, want to be somebody that's blunt or that picks up there's something wrong but doesn't know what to do with it. I get to be the person that is so connected that I know what to do and I'm breaking it open not just for me but for my community, for my city, and for the places that God will send me. So it's a, you know, it's very personal and it's, it's very big. And I just want to pray as we close and just thank the Lord for what he's doing, but also that our hearts would just be open. Lord, mature my perception. 
for your purpose. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are so good, Lord, and that your heart is just so full of love for us, so full of confidence, so full of excitement, Lord. When you look at us, you don't, you, you don't see the mess we're in. When you went to Gideon, Father, you, you didn't, yeah, you didn't say, listen, you, <laughs> you insignificant little whatever, what are you doing here? You just, you spoke to him what you saw in him. And Father, thank you. Thank you that you don't speak to us from our realities, but from yours. And I pray, Lord, that as we go into this week, that you would, you would be speaking to us from your reality, but that we would have the heart to listen and not question and not protest, but really just lean into what you're saying and trust you, Father. Because thank you that the work that you are doing inside of us as you are growing and maturing our perception, Lord, is not just for ourselves and the healing of our city, but the places you want to send us where there is no light for us to be that light. And thank you just for a renewed sense of purpose this week and just just a freshness, just an empowering to be able to walk the road that you've called us to for the things that you have prepared for us to do. And we thank you for this. We thank you for your goodness once again. We thank you for your loving heart once again, Father. And thank you that we get to walk the journey with you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.